Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from your iOS device for free. And if and when I go live and you ask some questions, you may end up being featured on an episode of Locked on Tigers. up everybody welcome into locked on tigers i'm your host chris castellani it is thursday may 13th 2021 if i sound a little bit less enthused than i usually than i usually am uh, there's a reason got my second dose of the covid vaccine yesterday and um it's hit me pretty hard i, I don't know why this is but it seems like people around my age group uh feel the side effects a bit more than uh older people do and so uh yeah i'm going through it here very sore uh, arm is killing me, just feel kind of sick, but we, we, we march on through it. Uh, the, the show goes on, and thankfully, uh, we don't have a Tigers loss to talk about. We have actually what I, f- I found to be a very entertaining, well-played, a fun game to discuss from last night. Tigers won 4-2. to two. Talk about two teams now that are kind of trending in opposite directions. The Tigers are red hot. They've won three in a row, Ooh, and the Royals have lost 10 straight now. On the mound for the Tigers was... Casey Mize, six innings, three hits, two runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Very impressed uh, with his performance. Very impressed with how he's looked over his last three outings. And really impressed with how he adjusted in this game. First three batters of the game. You hit Whit Merrifield, you walk Carlos Santana. Salvador Perez doubled uh, to center, scoring one run. Soler flew out, and then Benintendi drove in a sack fly. I think we were all thinking... This is going to be a rough outing for Casey Mize. This is going to be a repeat of the really difficult outing that he had last month against the Royals where he gave up seven runs, and he adjusted. And he adjusted in a way that surprised me because I feel like when uh, you are struggling early on in a game, it is often the case that certain guys go to what they're comfortable with. And I felt like in this game, Mize may become a little bit overconfidence or just just overuse the fastball splitter combination which has been so lethal for him coming up through the minor leagues and he didn't he didn't really have his splitter last night didn't throw a very many splitties at all you saw a lot of sliders a lot of curveballs and those pitches were sharp and he was getting ahead with his fastball too he was getting ahead early in counts uh, yesterday after the first inning and did walk two, only four strikeouts but you know I, I I'm fine with the minimal amount of strikeouts and four is fine over six innings but uh, you want to see length. You want to see these guys going a little bit deeper uh, into games. And I, I think him going six innings for a third straight start uh, is excellent. Had a really cool moment in the sixth inning where the Royals had a runner on third. A great job by Mize in, in that inning because Santana walked, Salvador Perez singled to left, and all of a sudden it felt like the Tigers were in a jam, which they were. They were up 4-2 at the time. Gets Solaire to ground into a 5-4-3 double play. And then A.J. Hinch came out. 
and we were wondering if he was going to pull him. We were wondering if they were just going to talk. And AJ came out and basically said, hey, this is your inning to finish, man. Go get it. And uh, that's why I would not be a good manager because Mize walked Santana on four pitches to begin the sixth inning. I'd have pulled him then. His pitch count was into the 90s. It seemed like he was losing it. And you know, one thing I, I admire about AJ Hinch, and one of the reasons why I do think that he is a top you know, two or three manager in baseball is that he's not robotic. There's other great managers out there like Kevin Cash, but I, I worry that when push comes to shove, those guys become too over-reliant on the matchups. They become too over-reliant on what a laminated piece of paper in the dugout may say, and, and, and don't know that sometimes you do go with your gut. Sometimes going with your gut is healthier, and that's what happened uh, yesterday. He stuck with Casey Mize, and I think we're going to see more of that as this season goes along because Hinch is a smart guy. He's very aware of the fact that uh, this bullpen, it ain't much. So in that moment, would you rather have a Casey Mize at like 60-70% or Daniel Norris, who despite being good last night, still has an ERA well above 6? He went with Mize. Benintendi flew out on the first pitch to Robbie Grossman, and that ended Casey Mize's day. Really, really good performance. I mean, he gave up one hit in the first inning after that, only two over the next five. Command was better, getting ahead in counts, stuff looks great. And you have to give a lot of credit to who was behind the plate last night. Grayson Griner is now on the IL. The Tigers' two main catchers are on the injured list currently. Eric Haas got called up from AAA. Jake Rogers behind the plate last night, I thought called a really good game. And there's something to be said about comfortability. No catcher in this organization has caught Casey Mize as much as Jake Rogers has. I mean, these guys came up together through the minor league system. Rogers, I believe, was Mize's catcher when he threw his no-hitter down in double-A. You know, you look at Ramos or you look at Griner, who, especially Griner, I think, has done a more than adequate job catching Mize throughout this season, but they've had to learn on the fly. This is not a pitcher that they're necessarily super comfortable seeing. They haven't caught him for 20-plus starts the way that Jake Rogers has, and you saw that comfortability last night. It didn't seem like Mize was shaking him off very often. It seemed like they were kind of in lockstep with each other about what to throw and when to throw it. They were communicating, and not to mention Rogers also made some really nice plays defensively, made a great play on, on a little nubber right in front of home plate where he whipped it over to uh, to first. That uh, ended the top of the seventh inning. Tigers' bullpen held it down as well. One of the better nights uh, for this bullpen that we've seen in some time. Let's talk about that because Daniel Norris, as I just brought up, came in. One inning of work went 1-2-3. Fulmer went 1-2-3. Now, I, I was wondering, and I kind of thought AJ might do this. I was wondering if they were going to stick with Fulmer for another inning. He hadn't pitched in a few days, had not pitched uh, since he gave him several innings on Saturday out of the pen. I've talked many times about how I really like the idea of Michael Fulmer, the super reliever. Michael Fulmer in that kind of Josh Hader spot where he's not pitching every day necessarily, but every few days he's giving him two innings. He's going deep. And I was I was wondering if they were gonna if they were gonna do that because they'd used Soto quite a bit recently. He looked pretty wild. Fulmer looked as comfortable as you could get in that eighth inning. I mean, only threw thirteen pitches, eight strikes. Thought they might stick with him. They didn't. Gregory Soto came in, a leadoff walk. Uh, and, and it was bad. He was missing bad, but it's where uh, talent rises to the top because Gregory Soto was firing some darts there. And when you throw as hard as he does, you're going to get some swings and misses. Did throw also a really good slider for the second out of the inning, got a fly out to end the game, and he picks up his fourth save. Has not blown a save this year. Only four opportunities. His ERA is down to 287. He's just going to need to work on the whip. I mean, coming into last night, his his walks and hits per innings pitch was at 187, which is pitiful. Typically, a, a guy with a whip like that has an ERA that we're talking about 
being in the 6-7 range or worse. Guys are getting on base, and yet he's able to put them away. So, yeah, a clean game, no errors, no blown leads. Uh, as good a game as the Tigers have played this year. I've just talked about the pitching. We're going to talk about the offense when we get back in segment number two. Locker Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. It's free to download and use. You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Join join in on the conversation with me and have a chance to be featured on the Locked On Tigers podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week on Wednesday, probably around 7, though subject to change right now. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Locker Room app free in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Castellani2014 to be notified when my room goes live. We'll be going live on Locker Room every Wednesday. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Back for segment number two, recapping the Tigers' 4-2 victory against the Royals last evening. Offensively, uh, some signs of life. Once again, Robbie Grossman uh, tripled for the second day in a row. He's now got his OPS up to 761. I believe coming into last night's game, was ninth or close to the top 10, I believe was in the top 10 in regards to on-base percentage. Hashtag Robbie Grossman gets on base. I mean, that that signing is working out a, almost exactly how we expected. Like, it would not shock me if by the end of the year we're seeing a 233 average and a 761 OPS out of him, which is what he has right now. A guy who had three hits yesterday and is starting to show some signs of life is Jonathan Scope. You talk about a guy who is really going through it. I mean, it, the, the two guys I'm about to talk about here were in some of the worst slumps of their career. Jonathan Scope had a 181 average through the first 27 games that he appeared in this year. Over the last six games, not amazing, right? A, a force, or I'm sorry, a 742 OPS, but the average is at 308. Not much power, only one extra base hit, but that's that's something you can build on. I mean, sometimes all it takes is hitting a few singles, you know, just kind of knowing that you're still capable of hitting the, hitting the ball and play and getting hits, and then the power starts to come, and I, I hope it does because that's the one signing, or I guess in this case re-signing, that I don't get on Avila about it all. It falls more on the player because Jonathan Scope's been a good player for a lot of his career. He was good last year. Some, you know, shortened season, but still, he's he's been a, an established solid major league guy for several seasons, and for him to be struggling the way he had been had has been really weird, and he's still behind the eight ball. I mean, the OPS is still in the 500s. He's got a ways to go before he can bump those before he can kind of bump those numbers back up, hopefully to where they were over the last few seasons. Another guy who's getting going, and another guy who had a special night last night was Miguel Cabrera. He had two RBIs. He has now set a major league record for most hits ever 
by a Venezuelan-born player. You could see in the post game uh, afterwards. This is something he was very proud of. And uh, you know, Venezuela is well represented in Major League Baseball today. This guy has had just a remarkable career, and it's been it's been the strangest and also the most frustrating part of the last several years with Miggy is that he hasn't been good. Right, you look at the wins above replacement; he's been right around replacement level. But he'll have these moments, these weeks where he looks pretty darn good again. And over his last four games, I mean, he was struggling as bad as any player was struggling in all Major League Baseball. I mean, through 31 games uh, this season, uh, he was batting 0.98 with a 3.92 OPS over his last four games. He's 6 for 14. That's a 429 average on base percentage of 556 and an OPS of 984. He'll have these weeks. He, I remember at the end of 2019, he had a little power surge. Now, he hasn't had a power surge. In fact, all of the hits that I just uh, said were, were singles, but he's striking out less. He's putting the ball in play more, and I think this offense, and not to say they didn't know it before, but over the last several nights is learning the importance of not striking out all the time. Yes, they struck out 11 times last night, but they beat the shift two or three times for big hits. I know Jacoby did, Scope did once, Grossman hit a deep uh, double to right field when he was batting uh, from the right-handed batter's box against Duffy, and, and Jamer Candelario hit, hit a really deep double, uh, RBI double, that I, I think Tony Paul said, or I'm sorry, it was Chris McCoskey said, would have been gone and would have been a home run in 20 other major league parks. He's, uh, he's the best hitter on this team. I mean, I know the OPS right now is is pretty close with Grossman. His is at 763. Grossman's at 761. There's going to be talk at some point because Jamer was, when he was brought here, a guy that many people, myself included, believed was the now third baseman of the future. Now, that's kind of changed potentially with Spencer Torkelson coming up through the system in this rebuild, uh, you know, spinning its wheels over the last several seasons. But he was believed to be a future piece. And and, and our friend uh, Rogelio uh, Castillo uh, posted a piece where he said it might be time to start thinking about Jamer Candelario as a guy this team gives an extension to. It, it would make some sense in the way that the Royals gave an extension to Whit Merrifield. I mean, that's a guy who they developed. Salvador Perez is going to be a lifer there uh, as well. It's an interesting proposition. I can't go there yet because I like Jamer. I think Jamer has turned into a solid major league player, but Jamer Candelario has not, over a full 162-game season, had a good year yet. Like, he was so, so kind of weak in 2018, but you look past it because he had the wrist injury. He was not good in 19, was not good through the first 10 games last year. Then all of a sudden just found it. I mean, that was one of the worst takes I've ever had because I was done with him. And then he was the Tigers' best player a season ago, and he's been their best player so far this season. But I have a hard time believing that we should be giving contract extensions out to guys who have not had a, f a good full season at the major league level yet. Now, do I think that by the end of this year, uh, James will we'll feel differently? Yeah, I think, I think he's going to end up finishing this year on a strong note, and I think he'll be good. But I'm not quite there yet, though I do understand the line of thinking there. This is a guy that maybe they didn't develop through the system, but when they traded for him, he was put right on the major league roster in the Justin Wilson and uh, Alex Avila deal. They also got Isaac Paredes in that deal, who was going to get called up at some point here uh, pretty soon. Took Jamer a few years, stumbled out of the gate, but it seems like he's found it uh, again over the last... I mean, we're coming up on calendar year here. I guess last year's season didn't start until July, so it's not quite calendar year, but over the last 10 months, uh, very good, very consistent, seeing the ball well, humble guy, the clubhouse likes him, the media likes him a lot. I, I wouldn't have any problem 
uh, with him getting an extension. I just I want to see him do it over a full year. If he has a good year this year, then yeah, but let's let's start talking about it because maybe he maybe he has become a, a cornerstone piece again. We've kind of flipped the script on that where he was initially the third baseman of the future, and then he was kind of an afterthought, a guy who was probably going to run his course at some point, and now he's worked his way back to a potential cornerstone piece. It just shows how long this rebuild has lasted, that this whole thing has kind of gone full circle. Good win for the Tigers. And look, over the last week, they've looked more like a real baseball team. Now, I'm not saying that they've won every game because they haven't. I'm not saying it hasn't looked ugly at points, but the at-bats are better. They're striking out a little bit less. And the pitching is solid. The starting pitching is solid. The bullpen's a, a gas fire, but Boyd looks excellent. I thought Mize was great last night. Turnbull's still kind of coming back from the COVID stuff. We're going to talk about him here in a second. And there's some pieces here that are starting to excite me a little bit more than I, I initially thought. There was some sad news uh, that came out of Tigers minor league camp. Sadly, not surprising news, though. Franklin Perez, the key piece of the Justin Verlander deal, was traded for in late August, early September of 2017, pitched all of, I believe, 26 innings, I think, in the Tigers organization, something ridiculous like that, uh, was set to have shoulder surgery, and the Tigers have now granted him uh, his release. He is no longer a part of the Detroit Tigers organization. A very, very sad story, and look, it's easy to make memes and make jokes uh, about Franklin Perez because I've never seen a professional pitcher at any level unable to stay healthy the way that this guy has. I know pitchers break. I know pitchers are fragile sometimes, but 20-something innings in four, almost five seasons, that's that's unheard of. It's a very sad story. And Chris Brown wrote a piece where he said that this is not one that you can necessarily blame Al Avila for. Um, you can and you can't. You, you can blame him for the trade as a whole because unless Jake Rogers finds something here at the age of 26, he's he has not turned out to be the player they believed he could be. Daz Cameron is still down in the minor leagues. It's obvious pitchers do break, like I said, but I think it's one of those GM trades where a GM, because he made the move, deserves the credit for doing something great and he deserves the criticism for not doing something great. I mean, there's no way that when Theo Epstein traded Scott Feldman for Pedro Strope and Jake Arrieta, he he knew that Jake Arrieta was going to become the greatest pitcher of all time for a calendar year, but he did, and because of that, everyone looks back at that trade and said, oh my god, they got the, the, the Orioles got completely fleeced. Look at what the Cubs got back. This is one of those instances where on paper at the time, no one really had an issue with the trade, but none of these guys developed. Some of that falls on the Tigers. Some of that uh, falls on the players, and uh, it is going to, as of the time of this recording, it's one of the worst trades in the history of baseball. Hopefully something changes. Hopefully Rodgers can find something. Hopefully Daz can find something, but the centerpiece of that deal which was a young right-handed starting pitcher that they believed could be the next ace of the staff. Um, it, it was a disaster. Uh, very sad. So when I come back in segment number three, we're going to preview today's game. Spencer Turnbull on the mound. Tigers going for a sweep against the Kansas City Royals. We'll be right back. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Back for segment number three. This might be a bit of a shorter show because I'm pretty exhausted. This is it's 10:19. By the time I'm recording this, I might take another nap. Still recovering from the uh, the COVID vaccine. Moderna on the mound for the Tigers is Spencer Turnbull, and on the mound for 
the Royals is Daniel Lynch. We're going to start with Lynch. This, of course, coming from MLB.com. He's had some uh, pretty ugly numbers so far this year. 0-1 with an 18.56 ERA, only three strikeouts. Uh, makes Joe Jimenez, well, it doesn't make Joe Jimenez look good because his ERA is in the 40s right now, but Lynch worked to clean up some of his mechanics between starts after allowing eight runs in two-thirds of an inning against the White Sox on Saturday. Oof. Oof. He only threw 34 pitches, so the Royals were able to move him up a day to avoid facing Chicago. Again, probably a smart move. This is favorable for the Tigers. This guy's really unproven. And you look at what they've done the last two nights against good pitchers. Let's keep that going because Brady Singer's good, and the Tigers bapped him a little bit, and they got to him a, a little bit. Danny Duffy is having his best season so far. Do I see it lasting? No, but despite going six innings and having a fair amount of strikeouts, they got four runs against him last night. That was all that Casey Mize needed in order to get the win. This may be another good opportunity for the Tigers to tee off on a mediocre pitcher. On the mound for the Tigers is Spencer Turnbull. He's 1-2 with a 4.74 ERA. Turnbull has battled inconsistent command in his past two starts after looking like a frontline starter upon his return from the injured list in late April. He expended 80 pitches over three innings, allowing seven hits last Thursday, and Boston thought he was crap. Thought he was pretty darn terrible his last time out against Boston, and I'm going to become more frustrated with him than anybody else because I think this is the show-me year for Spencer Turnbull. If he, if he doesn't take that step forward this year, he might never take it. He's not a bad pitcher. In fact, the numbers are, are fine. They're so-so, but... I think we all believe he can be better than mediocre, don't we? His stuff his stuff does not reflect that of a mediocre pitcher. His stuff reflects that of a guy who's capable of striking out 200 guys a year. I really do believe that, but his command needs work. He was getting behind in too many counts against Boston. Even more so than that, the thing I've brought up earlier is his stuff is too good for him not to miss the not to miss bats. And that, that's what he really needs to work on. Needs to miss more bats. Needs to get more swings and misses. Needs to just overall be more consistent. I, I think that Chris Fetter has done some really good things for, for the young starting pitchers here. And I believe he's capable of doing that with Spencer Turnbull as well. But as much as command is correctable, that falls on the player. That doesn't really fall on the pitching coach, and he's had a lot of trouble repeating his delivery, and it's gotten him uh, into trouble in games. With that said, I like this matchup for the Tigers. Let's let's sweep this series. Let, let's let's come out of this and say, wow, that was not a terrible uh, set there. You you played two against Minnesota, went one and one, and then you, you played three against Kansas City, and you swept them. Let's do that today. I know this is a bad baseball team, but you got to win games that you should win. And Daniel Lynch, come on. The Tigers, uh, I'll be real. The Tigers should win this ballgame today. Me saying that probably means they won't, but a man can dream. Okay, that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2-0-1-4. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave a written positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. I will be back here tomorrow. Um, I don't want to jump ahead, but I might have some news coming down the pike here real soon. I'm not going to say, um, but I'll, I'm, I might have some good news later today that I will be discussing. I don't know, though. I do not know. We will see. Fingers are crossed. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers. We're covering everything you need to know about the Tigers, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts.